Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Okay, so I have known uh, Bobby for a long time. Um, I've known Bobby since he was little. Here, better. I've known Bobby since I was little. Um, I was telling somebody this morning, uh, a few months ago, a little girl came up to me at church. This is why, by the way, I don't miss youth ministry as much as I used to. Um, She came up to me, she says, Mr. Stewart, why do you wear black? Why are you wearing black today? I said, black is a thinning color. She said, you need a darker shade. So every once in a while when I deal with the parents and I'm like, man, I miss youth ministry, God will send me something to remind me, no, 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 you don't. You, 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 don't, you don't miss it as much as you think you do. So, but I, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I'm on the board of directors at Roanoke Christian Camp. Uh, my wife and I were on vacation. Uh, I have two kids in college, so I can't afford a real vacation. So for me, a vacation was two days in Raleigh from Greenville. And uh, we came to church here and I was telling Bobby, you should let me come up sometime and talk about camp. He said, funny you mentioned that. Uh, my father-in-law canceled on me. Uh, he was supposed to preach today, and he had a he had a prior commitment. And so Bobby said, "Can you come on the 15th? And I said, "Sure." So here I am. Um, but I'm on the board of the camp. I've been on the board uh, for about 15 years. I started going to camp there when I was nine, so about 15 years ago. Um, uh, I started going to camp as a nine-year-old. Uh, I've worked as a junior counselor. Started when I was 16. Uh, I've been rec director. I've been a dean for 24. Four years, uh, and it's a great it's a great opportunity for your kids. So if you have any questions about the camp, you, know, you saw the, the short little video. But if you have any questions, I'll be around afterwards if you want to ask me questions. I won't take any more time with that. Uh, so Bobby asked me to speak on um, the word fellowship, um, and so I, I said, well, I can do that. It's always nice after preaching 23 years to have somebody give you a topic, because uh, picking the topics is the hardest part of preaching now for me. It's like once I know what I'm going to preach on, it doesn't take me that long, but you sit in the office and go, I've done that, done that, done that. So I appreciate Bobby saying, hey, can you do our, our, uh, our, coin, uh, our fellowship? And so we're going to talk about the word koinonia this morning, uh, which is the Greek word that translates into fellowship. Now, I, I don't know, uh, I, I feel like I'm really well equipped to, to do this message because I have a, a teenage daughter who's 19. Uh, she is a uh, sophomore in college. And she comes home and she frequently tells me, She'll, she'll use words, and I'm like, huh? And she's like, no, that, dad, that, does, that word doesn't mean what you think it means. So we were somewhere one night, and somebody said, Stuart, what, what are you and Stephanie going to do tonight? I said, we're just, we're just going to go home and chill. And Sam's like, dad! And I went, what? She goes, that doesn't mean what you think it means. I said, what does it mean? She goes, dad! I was like, oh, See, language changes over time, right? And, and, and some of you in here who are, who are older remember what words meant when you, know, you used them back in the 60s, and then those words didn't mean the same thing in the 80s, and they don't mean the same thing today. And, and I get reminded of that a lot because I have, I have a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, and they're constantly telling me words that I'm like, I don't know what that means. And, and, and then when you compound that with the fact that the Greek, which the New Testament was written in, is a very expressive language. So I just want to give you a real... Real, real quick illustration. 
of how expressive the Greek language is and how sometimes that doesn't translate well to English. Uh, how many of you are familiar with the story in John 21 where Jesus and Peter are on the beach and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. How many of you know that story? You've heard that story before. Okay, how many of you actually know that those are two different words in that story? That, that Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And he uses the Greek word agape, which means, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter's response is, Lord, I love you like a brother. Now, if you read that in English, in an English Bible, it looks like Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course I do. But that's actually not what it says at all. And if you're thinking, well, Stuart, you're quibbling. That's not that big a deal. Trust me. When I was in college, I told a girl once I loved her, and she said, I love you too, but not like that. That makes a difference. Okay? That makes a difference when you tell somebody you love them, and they go, well, I love you too, but not like that. That not like that caveat is really important. So, so the Greek is a very expressive language, and a lot of times when you translate it into English, uh, you, you can lose a, a lot of the impact and the meaning. So we're going to be talking about the word koinonia today, which generally translates into fellowship. If you, if you look in a, in a commentary, you'll notice that um, while the definition is fellowship, it actually is translated into sharing and partaking in, in, other, in other verses, but the main one is fellowship, and so we're going to talk about fellowship today. Now, I've got a couple of um, passages, just real quick, I'm going to mention this, this is not our scripture text for today, but just some examples of how the word koinonia was used in the New Testament in specific context. In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, koinonia with Christ, so having relationship or fellowship with Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, koinonia with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 8, 4, koinonia in giving. Philippians 3, 10, koinonia with his sufferings. And in Philippians 1, 5, koinonia with the gospel. So, so Paul uses this word fellowship a lot in the context of different aspects uh, of Christianity. So he talks about having relationship or fellowship with, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, with his ministry, the gospel, with giving, and all sorts of things. Now, how many of you have had some good fellowship recently? Wow, one person. Uh, wow, you guys must stay in a lot. Um, we, we have this really interesting concept of fellowship. And in and, and setting up our scripture text this morning, which is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, going to be used in verses 16 through 18, I, I want to kind of paint a picture of what's going on in the church of Corinth. Now, Corinth is, is a really uh, problematic church. They've had a lot of issues in Corinth. And one specific issue is uh, what they had done with the Lord's Supper. Um, the, the people in Corinth had taken this fellowship thing to a completely different level. And so what had happened is they had turned communion into such an event that they were, they were people who were overeating at communion, and some of you can identify, I can identify with that, um, which is why now we just have the little cup thing, so you can't do that. Um, but they, some people were overeating, some people were getting drunk. They, they were drinking so much wine at communion, they were actually getting drunk, and Paul... Paul chastises them, uh, in, in, actually in, in 1 Corinthians 11, he gets into that with them and, and, and addresses that problem. But fellowship, we, we have developed this concept of fellowship as a gathering, of hanging out, of, of talking, uh, of having some, some basic relationship. And, and a lot of people think um, that, that fellowship, that, that what we're doing right now constitutes fellowship. 
that we're all sitting together in the room and because we're all together in the room we are having fellowship now when I was when I was young my dad used to tell me when you go on a date with a girl, it's a first date, never go to the movies. And I said, why? He goes, because you can't get to know anybody at the movies. You can't talk at the movies. They get mad when you talk. Any of you get mad when somebody's talking in front of you at the movies? You don't go to the movies. Go, some, go someplace else where you can talk and get to know. You take somebody to the movie when you don't want to talk to them. I'll let you take that information as you choose. So by the way, if, if your spouse or your significant other says, hey, let's go to the movies tonight. There you go. Um, so, so we we have this concept of fellowship. It's like, oh well, you know, if we just go to church, it's fellowship. But fellowship, as defined in 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 the word koinonia, is completely different in its context and its depth. Okay, and that, and that becomes really important. So, when I was looking for a passage which I thought really summed that up well, I came up with a passage in First Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10. Now, the first time we see the word koinonia in the New Testament is Acts 2.42. Most of you are familiar with that passage. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' fellowship, doctrine, breaking of bread, and prayer. That's the first time that Paul, uh, the word koinonia is used in the New Testament. Luke uses it in recording what the early church did. Now, when it says they got together to fellowship, I want you to take a minute and think about what you envision when you hear that. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. And then as you're thinking about what that looked like and what it was, I want to remind you that it also says in that, same, in that same book that in the early church, nobody believed that anything they owned was their own, but was common property with all believers. How many of you would like to be a part of a church, family, where nobody in the room thought that anything they possessed was actually theirs, but it was available to everybody in the church who might have need. Now, some of, some of you are going, dude, I would love that. Keep in mind, that includes your stuff, too. That includes your stuff, too. One of the things that, that I, I found interesting about the, the way church has evolved over time is that we have, we have bought into this idea that the church... Whatever that means, the church is supposed to provide for me versus the idea that we provide for the church. I, I, I got a phone call. I had a family moving into Greenville one time. They, they found us on, on the Internet and just called me and said, Hey, we're moving to Greenville. Our family's looking for a church. What can you offer us? And I said, Well, we have... Uh, we have youth ministry and children's ministry and we have you know and I kind of went through the stuff and they were like fantastic I said now what are you gonna offer us and this person went this person actually said what I said what are you gonna offer us so well, nobody's ever asked me that before I said but you've been calling the wrong churches you've been calling the wrong churches by the way this is why we're still a church of 120 um, <laughs> But that, this is exactly this is exactly what we've done to the term fellowship. We we have we have created this mythology that the when we talk about fellowship that that it's not it's not mutual. That the church is supposed to fellowship with me, but I'm not really have to fellowship with them. I get to choose I get to choose when and where and how I define that. 
And so when we, when we go into a church, and people do this all the time, it's like, well, what, what can this church offer me? What do they have that's going to meet my needs? And rarely do we walk into a church and say, I wonder how I can benefit this body of believers. What is the koinonia that I bring to this group of people? Hey, they've, they've got stuff for my kids. Well, where can I plug in? While someone else is ministering to my children, who can I minister to? What, what is, what, you know, can, do, do they need help with the setup? Or do they need someone at the door greeting? Or do they need somebody to fix the coffee? Or what, what, are they, what can I do? But we have developed this mentality of the church. How is the church going to serve me? And that's not what the early church was. These were people that were so invested in this concept of koinonia that they didn't think anything they had was theirs. People were selling property and bringing it to the apostles and laying the money at their feet. And so this is what koinonia looked like in the New Testament. So that, that's from Acts 2.42. Now we're going to get into our actual text this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Oh, look at that. It's right there. Oh, my church is on the back wall. And I can't see it anymore because, as Bobby said, I've gotten old. So when, when, when Paul is addressing, uh, addressing the, the level of, of connection or, or koinonia, in this particular text, he, he connects it to communion. And I want you to listen to how he phrases this. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And by the way, the word participation there is koinonia. That, that's, that word is translated participation there. He says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks koinonia in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break koinonia in the body of Christ? Now, that, now that's, an interesting, that's an interesting usage of the term, because normally we think of koinonia's fellowship. So what, is, what does Paul say? And he goes, when we, when we get ready to take communion together, we, we just took communion together. Paul says that that communion, that time of fellowship, was intensely personal and intensely intimate with God, with his son and with his people. Now let me ask you a question. And this is a, this is a personal question, a personal question of reflection. When, when you get ready to take communion, how intimate does that feel in your relationship with God? You know, we sit down and it's like, okay, some of you are going, I'm just trying to figure out how to get this cup open, man. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to... I got, I got the bread out pretty easy, but I'm trying to get the juice out. And if I squeeze that little cup, it's going to squirt everywhere. And I, it's going to get it on my pants. Or, you know, I just, I'm just trying to get through it, man. We, we, we've had, I've had people, um, it's some of the stuff I've seen over the years, people get mad because we move the communion table. You guys all have a communion table. Congratulations. Um, don't get one. Um, we move the communion table over and people are like, oh, why'd you move the communion table? That, that's, that's, that's the table that holds the communion. I'm like, it's a wood table, dude. It's a wood table. It's just a wood table. To prove the point, I went and sat on it and I thought I was going to have to do a funeral. I, I really did. Um, 
either his or mine. I, I wasn't sure which one. But, but we have this, you know, we, 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 we get so tied up in how it's served and, and all the things that go with it, the pageantry and the symbolism and all this stuff. And Paul says, look, here's what you need to know. This cup that you're taking, this cup that you're taking is participation, it is koinonia in the blood of Christ. Now let me ask you a question. What do you think he means by that? What does it mean to participate in the blood of Christ? I mean, that's, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting phrase, right? He says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And it's not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. So, so you get into, you get into some, some concept here of, of how intimate this is to Paul as, as he's talking to a church where people are overindulging and getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They're having such a great time of fellowship. And by the way, some of the poor people are going home hungry because they're not leaving anything for them to eat. And if everybody's getting drunk, probably nothing for them to drink. And so understanding that that's an issue in that church, Paul said, don't you guys get what this is? And, and unfortunately, in, I think sometimes in, in the church, we, we, have, we have done to the Lord's Supper what we've done to everything else, which is connected with that word koinonia. We just kind of made it a thing. We're going to have this, and then we're going to have this, and then we've got this part of the service, and that part of the service, and then we're going to have communion, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. And it's just kind of a checklist, right? It's a checklist that we check off. When I was a kid, back before YouTube, back before the internet, back before cell phones, back before home computers, I mean, let's just get all this out. My dad was a preacher, and I used to watch people on Sunday come to church to take communion and then go to the beach. They would leave before the sermon. They would come in and take communion and leave because they believed the only place you could take communion was at church. And if you didn't take communion, well, let's be honest, if you drowned at the beach, you'd go to hell. I mean, let's just be honest. If you miss communion, that's, that's, that's how people used to think. If we don't take communion, if we get hit by a car on the way to the beach and die and we didn't take communion, we're, we're going to burn. So let's go to church first, take communion, and then go to the beach. It has nothing to do with that. And so for you this morning, as you were sitting here and you had, you had those emblems in your hand and you were, you were going, you were listening to the song and you were, you were engaged in the worship and it came time to partake of that, the, the question becomes this, what did it mean to you? Paul says that every time you partake of that, you are participating in the body and blood of Christ. So what, is, what does that mean? And it means that, that communion, like so many other parts of the church, are representative of a level of fellowship that we have lost sight of because we have made koinonia having a cup of coffee. It's like I came in, got a cup of coffee at the table. Said hi to Bob. Bobby was at the table and I went up. He got a cup of coffee. I had a cup of coffee. I said, hi, Bobby. He said, hi. We went and sat down and that was fellowship. That's not koinonia. Koinonia isn't waving to someone in the parking lot. Koinonia isn't checking your kid in for children's church. Koinonia isn't, 
you know, hey, I set up a couple of chairs or you know, did this. That's not koinonia. Koinonia is being connected to each other in a way that if you had a need, a real need, that you could call someone who's in the body of Christ that week and say, I got a problem, I need to talk, and you wouldn't wonder if they would have time to talk with you. That's koinonia. Koinonia is, hey, something terrible's happened. Can you help me? Can, can somebody help me out? I'm struggling. I'm suffering. What, something's going on. And not wondering if the church family would be there for you. That's koinonia. Koinonia is loving each other when you're not particularly likable. Any of you ever not likable? This is going to come as a huge shock to some of you. Sometimes I'm not likable. Because I know you, you're looking and go, man, that guy seems like a really nice guy. If you're, if you're really not certain, just ask my wife. She'll tell you. Sometimes, eh, iffy. Don't ask my kids. But you can ask my wife. Sometimes, ask people at my church. By the way, when I told them I was coming here to preach, some of them were very happy. Like, yes. Yes, youth ministers preaching, we're going to be out for lunch early. They're very excited. Sometimes we're not likable. What does the scripture say that we're supposed to do for each other when we're not likable? We love each other anyway, right? And so this participation, this participation in the blood of Christ and the body of Christ is this intimate relationship. Now, one of the things that, that I find really interesting about how we conceptualize our relationship with Jesus, which is really interesting, you, you guys realize that God created man for relationship with God. He made us to be in relationship, to have koinonia with him. That's why he created man in the garden. And in the garden, Adam and Eve screwed that up. They messed it up. And thus begins this incredibly long and winding journey to bring mankind back into fellowship, back into koinonia with God. And if you're going, well, what does that look like? Remember in the Old Testament? Remember Enoch? It says God came down and walked with Enoch. And one day what happened to Enoch? It says God took him. He didn't die. God just took him. He walked with Enoch, and they were so close, they were so tight, there was such a level of koinonia between Enoch and God that one day God just said, I'm just going to take you with me right now. Let's go. Let's go right now. You're just going to disappear. You're going to come be with me. Let's go. We are not here today to be members of a church. We're not here today to be part of a congregation. We're not here today to take communion or to give an offering. We're here today to reinforce and equip ourselves to be in koinonia with God. That's why we're here. And not just to be in koinonia with God, but to be in koinonia with his son, to be in koinonia with his spirit, and to be in koinonia with his people. Because you can't have one exclusively without the other. You can't be in relationship with the Son if you're not in relationship with the Father. And you can't be in relationship with the Father if you're not in relationship with His people. They're all interconnected. 
and they're all koinonia. And so Paul says, look, guys, it's, it's really important. As a, central, as a central focus of this, you understand that this, this cup that we take, that, that you're participating in the sacrifice of Christ and his body. When we take that bread, we break it. We're participating in the body of Christ. And now let's look at verses 17 and 18. Paul says, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all share the one loaf. Okay, so when, when we gather together, we become one body. Consider, and then he, he kind of goes through some Old Testament. He says, consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar. Now that's, that's a really interesting phrase because now Paul's going all the way back to Passover. See, after you killed the Passover lamb and you put the blood on the doorpost, what'd you do with the lamb? You ate it. It was part of the Passover meal. You ate it. And in, in, in the eating of that meal, and this was fairly common in Old Testament, there were certain sacrifices that when you killed the sacrifice, then you ate it. And, and Paul says when you did that, you participated in the sacrifice itself. So in, in talking about this concept of koinonia and how it extends to God's people, he says that because there's one loaf, we who are many are one body. Now this is, this is a term we hear a lot in church. It gets used a lot. We are the body of Christ. You guys have heard that, right? The church is the body of Christ. Okay. So let me ask you a question. How well do you function as a body? In, any of you ever had a part of your body that was misbehaving? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out for the Indiana people this morning. There's some Indiana people here. There you are. When I was in college, I'm, now I'm from eastern North Carolina. I, I grew up here. My parents were born here. So I'm a long-time eastern North Carolina guy. When I went off to Bible College in, at Johnson Bible College in Knoxville, Tennessee, a third of our student body was from Indiana. And they had these things in Indiana which just really are not to be consumed by people down here. They're called white castles. Now, if you're wondering what a white castle is, you take, you take a square of grease, you disguise it as meat, you cook it, you put it on a bun, a little tiny little bun, you throw some ketchup on there and a pickle. I don't know why people, I don't know why you put a pickle on but it's, it's essentially grease with some vegetables. They put it in a sandwich and they feed it to you and you know it's not meat because it only costs a quarter. So I was telling, I was telling a lady at our church uh, about this, this midnight run to Nashville to get White Castles when I was in college. Well, she was in Jersey last week for uh, her brother's funeral. When she came back, she brought me a box of White Castles. So let me tell you what I found out. I found out that my 55-year-old digestive tract does not handle the White Castles like the 21-year-old digestive tract. And so what I found out was that part of my body was acting up. And it had questions for my mouth going, why did you put that in there? What were you thinking? 
Everybody in this room, at some point in your life, you've had a part of your body that was misbehaving. You know, you, 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 had a, you had something that was sore or something that was pulled. You had a muscle that was strained. Some of you may have even had something more serious, like, like a heart attack or cancer. There's something in your body that was misbehaving, and it messed up everything, right? Messed up everything. The body works optimally when all the parts are working together, right? So let me ask you a question. Is that, is that your congregation? Is that your people? Is that your gathering here? Is that how you function? Some of you are going, well, I'm part of the body, but I'm the part of the body that doesn't do anything. I'm the spleen. <laughs> Some of you right now are sitting here going, of this family, of this body of Christ, I am the appendix. I'm here. I don't really do anything. I, I like to say I'm part of the body. And, and much like the spleen or appendix, and you'll miss me if I'm gone. But you won't ever really be sure what I did. Is that, is, is that your connection to the body this morning? Or are, you, are you like, oh, I don't really. Um. Some of you are like, I'm a big toe. I'm not glamorous, but without me, the whole thing would fall down. And if any of you have ever broken your big toe, you know exactly what I mean. Any of you ever hurt your thumb? You have no idea how important a thumb is until you injure your thumb, and then you realize, oh, opposable thumbs, they're handy, because I can't pick up anything without it. We understand how this works. The, the parts of the body that are sometimes unattractive or unglamorous are still very important to the functioning of the body. And so what, what happens is today, when you look at what's happened with this concept of koinonia in so many of our churches, is that we have people who, who are saying, well, I want to be part of the body, but I don't really want to be part of the body. I want the benefits of being part of the body. I, I, I hear this phrase a lot. What, why'd you become a Christian? I want to be saved. I, I'm going to say something to you this morning. Maybe may, may shock it. I don't know. Maybe Bobby says this all the time. I don't know. You don't become a Christian to get saved. Hear that? You don't, get, you don't become a Christian to get saved. People go, What? You say that in Church of Christ, man. People get the eyes roll back. They're like, What? You accept Christ to enter into koinonia with Him. You are saved as a result of the relationship. Okay? You can't be saved absent the relationship. So what happens if you join, if you, well, I got baptized so I wouldn't go to hell. It doesn't work that way. You, you accept Christ and are baptized to enter into koinonia with him, to enter into fellowship, to be a partaker of what he is, to share in his life. And because you share in that life, because you are participating in a relationship with the Father, then when you stand before him, what does he say? Ah, it's my guy. We have relationship. And all the people that I have relationship come with me. Now, if you're thinking, uh, Stuart, I'm not sure I buy this. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had a, people in your house that were not part of your family? You ever had people over to your house that weren't part of the family? It's like they were over visiting, had a meal, you know, hung out for a while. And you're like, they're not part of my family. They're in my house. I let them come to my house, but they're not part of my family. 
Any of you have family who aren't blood family, but you still consider them family? Sure you do. So what does that mean? That means being in this house today does not make you part of the family. You may say, well, I want to be part of the family. We'll, we'll get to that. But the whole concept from the beginning of time was that relationship between God and man was broken and he saved, he sent his son to die, what, which is what Paul's talking about here. And so we partake in that sacrifice for what reason? So we can be back in relationship with God. And then by definition, because we're in relationship with God, we're in relationship with his people. Koinonia. But we've turned koinonia into a meal after church. Oh, we're having a fellowship meal. We're having this thing. We're going to have this picnic, and that's going to be fellowship. You realize the ants come to the picnic. You're not in a relationship with them, at least you don't want to be. And so this whole image that is created by Paul is a reminder to us that we were called to be in relationship. And we've, we've lost it. We, we've lost that, that identity. We, we, think about, we think about all the things that the church does and all it represents. And, you know, what, I've had people ask me, said, Stuart, you know, does it bother you? We're going to watch online. I think online is awesome. I think it's a great tool so that you could be in connection with the church when you're gone or if you're sick. I think that's fantastic. And if you're watching online today, I get it. But let me ask you a question. Is there koinonia with God's people? Do you, do you have that? And by the way, I ask the same question to the people in the room. Do you have koinonia with each other? As you look around this room, you're like, oh, there's a person, I've seen them a few times. I wave at them, said hi to them. But is there relationship? Wait, well, I don't. I'm not the friendliest person in the world. Doesn't matter. We have been called to be one body. And as one body, we have to be connected. Because what happens if you disconnect something from the body? You, you cut a finger off, you get that thing quick enough, they might can put it back on. But if you leave it just sitting there too long, what happens to it? It dies. It dies. When you separate a part of the body from the body, that part dies. And so as we, as we think about this concept of koinonia and, and what Paul is communicating, I, I, want, to, I want to be very clear in, in, in what this is about. Paul is not calling us to membership. He's not calling us to attendance. He's not calling us to, to a lot of these things that we use to mark the checklist. He's calling us to fellowship. He's calling us to koinonia, relationship, participation in the life and ministry of God and in the life and ministry of his people. He wants you to participate with each other in your lives and your ministries. He wants you to be connected. He wants there to be relationship.
And when you have relationship with the Father, all the other things we want come with that, right? You're like, well, I, I want to be saved. Let me promise you something. If you're in a relationship with the Father, you'll be saved. If you enter into a relationship with Christ, you'll be saved. If you enter into a relationship with his people, with his body, because you're in a relationship with him, your life will be better. But you can't do it without koinonia. You, 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 can, you can study your Bible all you want. You can pray as many times as you want. You can, you can do all those things. But the scripture is abundantly clear that when we do not have fellowship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the body, then we are not part of him. The praise team is going to come and, and lead us in a song of decision this morning. And as you, as you think about where you are in your relationship with God, I, I just want to give you one real simple thing to think about this morning. And, and it's not about salvation, and it's not about hell. It's not even really about heaven. It's about a really simple question. God made you specifically and purposely for one reason and only one. God had countless angels in heaven. He had worshipers. He had servants. But yet he still made man. So why did he make man if he already had angels? And the answer is really simple. He made man because he wanted someone in his image to be in relationship with. And so this morning, I want to remind you of one very simple thing. You were created to be in relationship with God. You were made to be in koinonia with him. And so this morning, as the invitation hymn plays, it's one simple question. Do you want to be in relationship with your creator do you want to restore that thing that was broken by sin in the garden because the invitation is open for you to do that today you can come up and talk to Bobby or myself and we can we can talk to you about that and we can offer you an opportunity to be back in relationship that you were made for and with that relationship will come all the other things you want eternity with the Lord eternity in heaven all the blessings that come with being part of his family. And so this morning, we challenge you to think about that relationship with the Father. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.